But joining me on the line is the Deputy Opposition Leader and Shadow Minister for National Resilience, Jared Maley. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Katie. Good morning, listeners. Now, Jared, yesterday we spoke to the Health Minister, Natasha Files, about the number out there at Howard Springs, and there's certainly quite a few quarantining out there. But locals continue to raise concerns about the changes to testing and to PPE. Uh, Jared, the centre, as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, is in your electorate. What are people telling you? Yes, Katie, yes, the centre is in my electorate. It's only about a couple of kilometres from the Howard Springs Village Centre and, and uh, probably a couple of kilometres from Palmerston. So it is in, in a pretty dense area and there's lots of people going around Howard Springs and Palmerston, as you know. So, but what we're concerned about is these changes that have been brought up by the NT government when NT Health had taken over with the change to testing, the change to PPE. And I had a um, constituent come and see me about uh, his um, wife working there and having to not get other jobs, yet we hear that the, the director's off and based in the grass. So it's just really got to make sure that the, this um, COVID-19 we know is in that centre uh, and we know what will happen if it comes out into the community uh, will be in a world of hurt. Um, this year is looking for a great tourist season, a good drive, with all these people coming up from interstate, all the, all the caravans on the road. If there's some sort of lockdown in the Northern Territory, not only the effect of that lockdown for that five or six days, wherever it might be, but the flow-on effect will be catastrophic because people will be uncertain and they won't come to Darwin. They well, won't come to the Northern Territory. And, Jared, I know that, uh, as I mentioned before, we are going to get the latest uh, Chief Health Officer directions from uh, the Melbourne situation in uh, just a little while with Matt Hepworth. But are you more concerned at this point in time that, you know, that we could potentially see somebody get on a plane from from Melbourne and, uh, and, you know, that we could see a spread of COVID in that way? Or are you more concerned that really uh, if something is going to get out into the community that it's going to come from the Howard Springs facility? Well, if it gets out, because the facility is now one, it's, it's run by NT Health, where it was, where Ausmat were running the quarantine, uh, the international stuff, which we know is a gold standard, and now NT Health were just running the local stuff, and NT Health have taken over the whole facility. But we know from history that the, these outbreaks that happen down south from security, from cleaners, from people working there, um, so if that virus breaks out of Howard Springs, because we know it's there, and there's a lot of people... Um, who come in now, I think you said there's 700-odd people. We're not even sure how many of these staff out of the 400 have been recruited yet. I can only imagine that all the Ausmat staff would have come over. That would have been their first wave of, of recruitment and how much people they've got now. So are they really keeping Territorians safe with these changes to procedure? We know that the, the, um, the testing's different, the PPE's different, and the... Um, and the health officer goes out to base in the grass. Well, and and look, I think it's a hard one because you know with the with the health officer, um, you know, going out there with the person in charge of that facility going to you know to base in the grass afterwards. Surely there's nothing sort of stopping her from being able to do that. And as the health minister said yesterday, she was wearing full PPE. But um, you touched on the fact that this has been raised with you by one of your constituents. We did have a message come through yesterday as well from a listener um, that on a similar, you know, on exactly similar sort of situation where this person had said that he's got a family member that works out at the Howard Springs facility when she got that job they had to sign a form to say that this would be their only job Uh, at the same time she did have a part-time job that she had to give up Um, so this person had questioned then how you can have that person who's in charge Di Stevens who is in charge of the facility um, you know having two jobs or, or working in two different locations when other workers
workers are out there are apparently not able to do the same. Well, it can't be one rule for some or one rule for others. It needs to be right across the board. And, and if, um, I'm not sure who the listener was, but it, the person who came and saw me was um, told, you know, don't go to functions. And uh, this person told me that they didn't go to a, to a child's birthday because of that fact. They said, look, don't go because you're working in an area. So this person was making sure that they following the rules. And, yeah, we hear Di Stevens is out at base in the grass. Can you just imagine if she was, had a positive test and how many close contacts they would have had to be tracing if that would have occurred? Jared, do you know if, uh, if in the case of the constituent, do you know if that was something that, you know, did they sign that document recently or was that something that was signed off when Osmat was in charge? No, from my understanding, it was they were working was Matt when NT Health took over. They signed a new contract for NT Health. And was it the same situation where you're not able to have a second job? Yes, that's what, I was, that's what I believe. Yeah, goodness me. Well, it's definitely something that uh, that is worth taking a closer look at. I mean, should this be the case? Do you think that people that work out there should be allowed to have a second job, or do you think it's fair enough that they don't? Well, if we, it's, it's, it's a, it's a catch-22 situation. It's a really important uh, decision to make because what we don't want is COVID breaking out into the community and we know that um, the, the breakouts into state have been through these workers, the security cleaners and people working. So it's a, I think it's a real balance. If I, for me personally, if I had to make that decision, I'd be really um, getting some health advice from the experts and then I'd be testing that advice as well. Not just saying, that's what you told me, so I'm going to rely on it. We need to go away and do some peer reviews and look into it because it is a, it's a, a million dollar question essentially because you can't have COVID breaking out, but you also people need to be able to afford to live. All right, Jared. I do want to move along uh, and talk about the issue of Mick Dodson. It's being reported today in the paper that he's yet to formally resign from his job despite the Chief Minister writing to Professor Dodson on Friday to inform him that he'd lost his confidence. Uh, Jared, does the Professor need to stand aside or does he need to stand down altogether? Well, I don't know the facts or the, or the allegations, but the Chief Minister needs to show some leadership. Uh, if he says that he's lost trust, he needs to um, enforce that and, and, and make Mr Dotson resign. I mean, if we don't all know the detail, though, is that fair? Well, Mr. the Chief Minister does. He knows the detail, and he's uh, seen the detail and made a decision to write to him and say, you've lost the confidence. So whatever is in the detail, the Chief Minister knows, and I accept that that should be confidential, and that doesn't need to be out into the public. But if that uh, information was bad enough to make the Chief Minister write to him and say, you've lost my trust, he needs then to show some leadership and to follow up on that correspondence. Jared, just moving along, uh, we spoke to the Northern Territory Police Association yesterday about the increase that we've seen on police assaults. Now, this is something uh, that has been reported in recent days. The number of assaults has gone up over the last year or so in various locations. Alice Springs uh, being one of the more serious situations in terms of those police assaults. Um, Take a listen to what the Police Association President, Paul McHugh, had to say on the show yesterday. I mean, obviously, there's the deterrent factor, of course, in terms of sentencing, which... You know, we've made submissions on to the government back in November of last year around making sure people are getting an, an actual term of imprisonment when they're um, undertaking these cowardly assaults and not just a slap on the wrist and walking out the court. I think there's a real conversation to be had there because our members are fed up yeah. with going to work and coming home with injuries. Paul, um, you said there that you uh, those submissions were put forward in November last year. Where is that inquiry or, or where is all of that at at this point? 
Yeah, we made a submission through to the uh, Law Reform Committee around... It, it was to do with mandatory sentencing and community-based sentencing options. And mm-hmm. we obviously met with that Law Reform Committee in March of this year to make further verbal submissions in relation to what we would like to see. And, and, and we're yet to hear back some two or three months down the track as to where that's at. Um, and, and obviously people are, are frightened when you talk about sentencing and making sure people go to prison. But let's not forget we're talking about our frontline workers and the people we need to protect. Jared, should the penalties be increased? What do you think needs to happen here? Well, no-one deserves to be assaulted at work, uh, and especially when your job is to keep the community safe. So being assaulted with you're a police officer or a security guard or just working in the shop is unacceptable. Uh, and what needs to happen is the government needs to, again, show some leadership and, and make the strong deterrent because people need to be able to go to work, especially the police and the ambos and the paramedics. They're our frontline people. They're out putting their, their lives on hold and, and helping out keeping our community safe and they just don't deserve to be assaulted. It just needs whatever needs to be done to fix that, to make sure that they go to work and protect the community. So should it be mandatory imprisonment if somebody does assault a frontline worker? Well, again, I think we need to make a strong deterrent and it can't just be a slap on the wrist. And there's all sorts of different levels of mandatory sentencing. So you need to look at at what level we're talking about. But I certainly agree with uh, Paul McHugh that that we need to be strong deterrent and not just a slap on the wrist. And and that is including um, mandatory imprisonment. I agree with that. Well, Jared Maley, the Deputy Opposition Leader, good to speak with you this morning. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank Thank you. you.